Do you know, I remember one time at a performance in St. Louis, when I was general director of Opera Theater of St. Louis, walking out of the theater for a, a world premiere and walking in front of, of two ladies who were, I think, longtime subscribers, and one said to the other, well, it certainly wasn't opera, <laughs> but it was very good. <laughs> In January of 2016, opera companies from all over the United States started a conversation. Trying to figure out how to create new works for smaller stages, alternative spaces, and major opera companies. Could we develop works that speak to a broader audience? And how can we be the leaders in showing that diversity is a huge plus? Opera for All Voices, will that resonate? What if we fail? Of course we're going to fail. That's how we learn. What if we succeed? Then we have a lot more work to do. What if we keep imagining? It's infinite. I'm Andrea Fellows-Walters with the Santa Fe Opera. And I'm Brandon Neal with the Santa Fe Opera. And this is Key Change. A podcast taking you inside Opera for All Voices. An initiative to commission and produce new opera. In this next conversation, I had the opportunity to sit down with Charles McKay, the current general director for the Santa Fe Opera. Charles is not only a visionary and an innovator in our industry, he is one of the giants in the history of opera and has given opportunities to not only artists on stage and off stage, but to people in admin, to other companies, to composers and librettists alike. Charles McKay has been a leader in the establishment of new work in this country. In true Charles McKay fashion, when Opera Fall Voices was brought to his attention, he jumped at the chance to support it. Charles McKay, thank you for being with us this afternoon. Thank you, Brandon. I'm glad to join you today. As general director, where do you see your role in the creation of new work? Well, the general director, in many cases, gets to be the decision maker. Right. The final arbiter in the selection of a work, in the casting of a of a singer, in the selection of the stage director or designer. You know, I try to listen to all of the great people around me, my collaborators and staff members, and to consider their ideas and opinions. But ultimately, the general director has to make the final decision. The general director also has to evaluate projects and to really consider them very, very carefully. And in many ways, I see my role as being the advocate for the audience. Mm. And I try to imagine and to place myself into the position of, you know, if I were seeing and hearing this for the, for the first time and I didn't really know anything about opera, and of course, this is an entirely subjective judgment on my part, but I, I have to make decisions based on my, my experience and the knowledge that I've gained over these many years. This is my 33rd year as a general director, and my career in opera started, believe it or not, 50 years ago mm. when I was a teenager who right. came to work for the Santa Fe Opera as an extra French horn player in the orchestra. And so I have to, to be able to tap into that base of experience and to make what I hope are informed decisions. I like to think most of the time I've made good decisions. Mm -hmm. Occasionally I've made decisions that I thought, gee whiz, I wouldn't have done that again. But <laughs> the, those are the decisions right. that you really learn from. 
I'm sure so many challenges arise between advocating for the audience and also not trying to impede the creative process right. as well. I'm sure like there has to be a marriage in there between, or a balance, it's probably a better word, exactly. in, in between what you're advocating for and what the artist is advocating for. Is that a, a frequent situation that happens with each um, new piece? Or? Yes, I, th I think generally that's a very harmonious relationship between the you know what what we might consider the audience's response and the impulses and objectives of the creators of the piece occasionally things might get slightly out of balance and that's again where the general director might be called upon to step in and to sort of mediate and to help guide the way forward mm -hmm. andrea and i were speaking about what opera for voices What's the true intention of it? Is it building audience? Is it um, building more repertoire? Both of those are true, but I think part of it as well is actually giving more to our audience, giving another level of experience to our audience. I'm really interested in what your first experience was with opera, why it left such a strong impression on you. Can you tell us more about that? Surely. Well, it was an experience that I had at the Santa Fe Opera when I was nine years old. Mm -hmm and came to the opera for the first time as part of the youth opera program. And it was Deflator Mouse. And I remember walking into the theater and hearing the orchestra. I think it was the first time I heard a live orchestra. Right. And the sound of the voices soaring over the orchestra and seeing the action on stage, the costumes, the staging, the lights, and so forth. And just having the impression of that total multidiscipline mm -hmm. kind of experience. The full experience kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, where it was just a feast for the eyes and ears. And I remember just being incredibly moved by that. And we have witnessed this over and over again at the opera, mm -hmm. not just in, in our company, but in companies all over the country and all over the world, that uh, children can discover opera and enjoy it at a level which is, is really sort of unexpected for a lot of adults. And likewise, there are so many stories of, of people who discover opera a little bit later in life. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Once they, you know, sort of overcome any preconceptions they may, may have about opera, that they can have a very profound, direct experience. And I think opera has the unique characteristic of being able to tell stories in a variety of ways and telling stories both through music and through words and through action and visual representation. And that can be very, very powerful when you combine all of those right. elements together. And so for me, I think it was that combined effect that made such a strong impression on me and left me wanting to hear and see more. I think it's incredible that your first experience with opera was at Santa Fe, and at the same time, you've now become the general director and have been for the last 10 seasons. How do you feel about that kind of connection? Well, I'm kind of amazed that it has turned out that way, but it really seemed 
from the first time I stepped into this theater as if I had been hooked up to an electric current of mm -hmm. some sort. It's like every, <laughs> every aspect of the experience was so heightened for me. And I was just so thrilled to be in this space and to be hearing this music and watching the performance. And do you know, Brandon, I have, have really tried in the course of my career, which I'm sort of amazed when I look back and realize the chronological achievement that mm -hmm. I will reach this coming summer, that I've always tried to reconnect to that immediate sensation that I had when I was nine years old. Mm -hmm. And as I'm entering the theater today or seeing a performance at the Met or in San Francisco or wherever, that I have that moment of it exhilaration. It still resides in you. It's still... It's still part of me and and that's why I have been so intent in my career on making opportunities for people to discover opera mm -hmm. for the first time mm -hmm. and to have that kind of profound experience and the opera for all voices program really is a way to further that that mission if you will do you know the idea of being able to expand outside the the walls of the right. traditional theater and to perform in, in spaces that might be smaller, might be what we would call alternative type of spaces, and to therefore break down some of the barriers right. that people have about going to the opera. To me, there is such wonderful opportunity here among our companies to create works that can be, in a way sort of a, a parallel to what we were doing mm -hmm. uh, on the main stage and right. in our in our theaters, but might have the opportunity and the capacity to engage new audiences and to connect to new audiences, whether or not those people that we might reach would eventually come to the theater here in Santa Fe, our beautiful open-air theater. That's always a hope, right. a way for us to expand and build the audience for the future. But I think the experience of going to these performances of these new works should be fulfilling and enlightening. As rich um, as going to any of the masterworks. That's right. That it could have a very profound effect on a young person or somebody who's seeing opera for the first time. Um, so it's kind of breaking down some of the, some of the boundaries yeah. that we've established around opera. You know, we are we're grateful that we have this opportunity to uh, create new work, and of course that's been very much part of the, mm -hmm. the Santa Fe Opera's mission from the very beginning. Of course. Well, in keeping with the new work, do you feel OFAV, the process of OFAV, these new commissions, the two commissions we have currently, do they add to the canon of overall work? Do you think there's a place for this kind of work overall oh, for the opera community? or? Very much so. It's interesting. There has been a real 
I would say, almost explosion of new work in the opera field over the last five years or so. And one of the fascinating things that we are observing is that new works have the capacity to draw audiences in surprising ways. Mm -hmm. The fact that the revolution of Steve Jobs, the Mason Bates and Mark Campbell opera that we did last summer, achieved the highest paid admissions. There was one performance that had the highest paid admissions ever in the history of the Santa Fe Opera, and that's comparing it to Carmen and and Madame Butterfly and La Boheme. And that new works can really draw new audiences. And I think that's something that is a relatively new phenomenon because it used to always be, well, you know, if you do a new work, you probably can't count on selling it out. But with our two most recent world premieres, we've had to add extra performances mm-hmm. uh, to accommodate you know, the demand for tickets. What do you think that attributes to? Is it, is it just the changing times going into a, another generation? or I think that's a big part of it, uh, Brandon. And I think it's a combination of factors. One of them might be that the traditional opera audiences have seen most of the great works or many of the great works but they're curious to see something that's new and and different and unusual. And I think for people who maybe haven't been to the opera before, you know, for example, to hear about, gee whiz, there's an opera about Steve Jobs. That sounds really cool. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of curious to see what that would be like. I've never been to an opera. And we saw last summer that there were many people who attended who had never bought a ticket at the Santa Fe Opera before and had never attended There were so opera. many new people. Yeah. And one of my favorite stories about last summer was observing the young couple who were standing in, in our balcony looking down on the theater and the orchestra pit and the stage before the performance began. And the young woman looking at her companion and saying, gee, they even have a live band. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story because it's like it made it so clear that, you know, these are people who are absolutely new to opera. Right. And, you know, wouldn't have used the vocabulary of a live orchestra, but it was a, a live band, and I, I just loved that. When you talked about your first experience with Deflator Mouse, I just am so fascinated to find a child whose first experience was Steve Jobs because it was so much electronica was in it. It was like a light show on stage. It was just incredible. Right. I wonder if they had a transformative experience as well but maybe in a different way. or We'll have know. to track that yeah, for the future. We'll have to see. Another question I had, where do you see the future of opera? Where, I hate the phrase that opera is dying because I feel like when you're in it, you feel opera is very alive and very on the forefront of creative ingenious in, in many, many areas. Where do you see this art form going in the, in the future? Do you know, I think that in a way the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. To some extent, a lot of boundaries are going to disappear. You know, there used to be a very firm line between musical theater and opera and that it was unthinkable that opera companies would be producing musicals, you might say. 
And now we're seeing that that is not altogether uncommon. And even for ourselves, for our company, this season, uh, the 2018 season, will open with Leonard Bernstein's Candide, which had its origin on Broadway. Right. And then during the composer's lifetime, sort of migrated its way into the opera house. And so people people say, well, you know, is it is it a musical? Is it an operetta? Is it an opera? And when people pose that question to me, I would say, well, I, it's your opportunity to decide. Mm-hmm. You get to come and see and see what you think about it. The composer concluded that it was an opera. But do you know, I think a lot of these boundaries will continue to disappear. You're seeing the Sondheim pieces turning up, which are are so wonderful, being performed by opera companies. And we're seeing that new works can coexist beside the great works in the operatic canon and that they have the capacity to draw audiences. So the fact that there has been this great flourishing of creating new work and bringing new audiences into opera, I think the the situation is one of great hopefulness. Mm. And we will certainly do our very, very best to see that opera continues to thrive in Santa Fe. We have the the most beautiful theater and the most remarkable experience to offer people when they can come and sit in this open air space and look out on the Jemez Mountains and breathe the wonderful mountain air and watch the sunset and see the stars. You just don't get that kind of experience anywhere else. It's a one of a kind experience. Absolutely. So Opera for All Voices is an exciting new adventure for our company and one that I think will prove to be very successful in bringing new works to the fore and helping us discover new audiences. Thank you for being with us, Charles. Thank you so much, Brandon. Join us for the next episode of Key Change, our final episode of season one, when we talk with our collaborators and our consortium members to discuss the key questions we raised in episode one. What if we fail? What if we succeed? What if we keep on imagining? We'll find out what we've learned and what's on the horizon for Opera for All Voices. Key Change is a production of the Santa Fe Opera in collaboration with Opera for All Voices. We are produced and edited by Andrea Klender at the Creative Imposter Studios. Our hosts are me, Brandon Neal, and Andrea Fellows-Walters. Our audio engineer is Cabby at Cabby Sound Studios in Santa Fe. Theme music by Renee Orth. Cover art by David Towsley. This podcast is made possible due to the generous funding from the Melville Hankins Family Foundation, the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation, and an Opera American Innovation Grant supported by the Ann and Gordon Getty Foundation. To learn more about Opera for All Voices, visit us at santafeopera.org. Don't be like Salome and lose your head over it. Go see opera.